Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, and uh, and I'm also going to be reading uh, Psalms chapter 8, so I'll be coming to those uh, passages in a few moments. I'm doing the second part uh, of uh, a series I call Intensive, which this happens from time to time in business or college. It's a kind of a conference seminar where there's, you know, information on one topic, you know, over a short period of time. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, kind of what, what I'm doing here. This morning, I want to talk about creation. I want to go to Genesis 1. I want to talk about you know, there's a lot of talk in science and college about this particular topic, and I want to speak to everyone today. It's been years since I've had the opportunity to talk about creation, evolution, things, things like that, and I want to speak to everyone today as a reminder of uh, God's hand up upon every part of our life, but especially high school students, college students, young adults who may hear a completely different story when it comes to science and biology and meaning and purpose. So it's just going to be a little different today as far as uh, content and format. So just want to say that to you up front. Part of my job as a pastor is to preach the whole counsel of God. That is the many and various topics that are written in these pages from time to time. They need to be touched on and preached on. So this morning that's going to be uh, my topic. So we're going to talk about two competing worldviews this morning that's, that's in the world. One is naturalistic evolution, naturalistic evolution versus creationism. And when it comes to, man, a lot, especially, you know, college, universities, lots of things like that, man, it is, uh, uh, it is a, a competing worldview that, that we have, especially with young adults, you know, in our, in our church. So that's one reason why I want to, you know, address this, that there, you know, there's a criticism that comes from the church that we are afraid to talk about these particular topics. We are afraid that if we say things about creation and the, the development of the human body, that, you know, that, that we would be afraid of where that would lead young people, uh, you know, in our, our particular our particular church, like we kind of have, you know, something, something to hide, that we are afraid for people to read and explore and ask questions when it comes to this particular topic. But in actuality, I say, no, I'm not afraid of that because I feel like when people look at science and philosophy, then it can help to answer questions about meaning and purpose, which to me point back to God. So I'm not afraid of this topic at all. I'm not afraid for people to look under the hood of certain things they've, they've been taught, you know, at, at all. So uh, just want to just mention that this particular morning. Now, creationism, just give you a definition of both of the competing worldviews this morning. Creationism is the religious belief that nature and aspects such as universe, earth, life, and humans originated with supernatural 
uh, acts of divine creation. So it just says without giving great definition to the divine, you know, the divine creation, it's just, man, that there's the belief that there was, you know, God, some, you know, whatever that means to certain people that had his hand on this creative order. We call that creationism. We see that spelled out, you know, uh, as believers very early in the Bible. And I just want to take a, I want to take a look at that when we read this Genesis chapter 1. I want to read over this particular passage, but I want you just to pay attention when it comes to just like creative order and God's creative hand. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Verse 11. And God said, Let the land produce vegetation and seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so, verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights. And in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night, let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. Verse 20, And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. Verse 24, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds and livestock and the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its own kind. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, So He created Mankind in his own image and in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. So that is the the, the Christian background of God breathing life into the universe, creating the earth, preparing the earth. Uh, letting it be inhabited with, with, with creatures created in the image of God. That's where we get our belief that God had his hand on all creation. There's another competing worldview that, that you hear a lot in culture, especially if you're high school, college. It's called naturalistic evolution that begins with the with a big bang and I just want to read you just from the University of Stanford just the the explanation of that of that particular belief there according to the standard big bang model the universe was born during a period of inflation that began about 13.7 billion years ago like a rapidly expanding balloon remember some of this cuz I'm going to refer back to that it swelled from a size smaller than electron to nearly its current size within a tiny fraction of a second initially the universe was permeated only by energy some of this energy congealed into particles which assembled into light atoms like hydrogen and helium these atoms clumped together first into galaxies then stars inside whose fiery furnace, furnaces, all other elements were, were forged. So you have the competing views, and I'll, I'll talk about those. I'll come back to that in just a minute. So let's look at 
the creation view, the Genesis 1 view, because when you study, if you study uh, on, on this, there, there are four different theories of how God kind of created this earth. And I'm just going to mention them to you, and you can kind of do your own study. So I'm going to walk you through what happened, different theories of creation, you know, according to Genesis 1. So there is the uh, theistic evolution that God created the building blocks and the natural laws of the universe. He created these things with eventual emergence of life in mind. But at some point early on, he stepped back and let his creation uh, let his creation take over. So there was a point where God kind of birthed it, then took his hand off. That's some people, they, they, they think that. The next one uh, is the gap theory. Proponents contend that there was a primitive creation in an ageless past inferred in Genesis 1, 1. This period could have gone on for billions of years. Then God continued with creation starting at Genesis 1, 2. It's called the gap theory. The other is fiat creationism, young earth. God created the earth by divine decree, holding to a strict 24-hour day as mentioned in Genesis 1. This would hold that the earth is thousands of years old, not millions or billions. And the last one that's of the, the four kind of prominent theories of how that it happened is called progressive creationism, age day. Uh, progressive creationism uh, accepts the findings of modern science. The basic tenet is that since God created the world, we should be able to look at the world and the universe with scientific investigation, determine when and how God created it. The current held scientific views, the earth is about 13.7 billion years old and the earth is about 4.5 billion years old, which is fully, fully accepted. So those are kind of just for your own kind of study, your own kind of belief uh, when people read about how God God created this. They kind of fall into one of those four camps. I have my own theory on that that I'm not going to share with you. You've got to figure out your own. You've got to read, pray, study, uh, figure it out yourself. So I uh, just wanted to, as we talk about that, you know, just, there's some diversity of thought. But all people believe that God, you know, brought his creation with his hand. So just wanted to mention that to you up front. Now, I want to share with you just some concerns on naturalistic evolution, okay? So there, I, I believe, I believe God had his hand on this place. God has his hand on our life. And you hear other things that are mentioned in this area. And I, there are certain concerns that, that, you know, are questions that need to be answered by this particular, you know, this particular community. So, all right, so concerns with naturalistic evolution, all right? Ready? Insufficient answers concerning the Big Bang. Insufficient answers concerning the Big Bang. Because when Big Bang took place, whether you believe, you know, that God was a part of that, that the Big Bang was the way that God, you know, kind of started this whole thing. Some, some people do. That's, you know, that's, that's up to you guys. But whether, whether you believe it or not, when, the, actu- when the, uh, the, the evolutionary people say Big Bang, there are three things that are needed for this particular event to happen, okay. Number one, you need physical material. You got it. There's got to be something material that you know that will happen. You know, there's got to there's got to be atoms. There's got to be nitrogen. There's got to be all kinds of there's got to be all kinds of things present for a Big Bang to happen. Number two, the laws of physics. You got to have gravity. You've got to have all kinds of different uh, laws of physics have to be there for this particular event to happen. Number three. 
cause? Why did it happen at a particular time? If it's been static for all these years, why at this moment in time did it happen? It's called cause, okay? And, and, and naturalistic evolutionary people talk a lot about Big Bang from when it starts you know, and, until today, but they don't answer the questions about where it started. Where did the physical materials come from? Where, where, did all, where did all that come from? Where did the laws of physics that guided this process, you know, where did it come from? Cause, that's a huge thing. Why, after all these billions of years of this just kind of laying here, what was the, the cause? Why did it do what, you know, what, what it did? And those are insufficient answers sometimes that you hear from the naturalistic evolutionary uh, uh, community. Uh, again, they, they talk about where it starts and where it went, but there are certain things that were in place to start with, okay? There were certain things that had to be there for this whole thing to happen. And I just go, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did it, where did it happen? I believe that could have been God's, God's hand upon the whole process. So that's just one, you know, one concern. I'll give you something else. I'll give you something else. A concern about naturalistic evolution is the numerical probability. The numerical probability that all of this could have occurred with random acts or very good luck, okay? All right, so let me give you some numbers here. The numerical probability that without any guiding hand, that what occurred 13.7 billion years ago brings us to this day, you know, the numerical probability of that is just unbelievable. So Fred Hoyle and N.C., uh, N.C. Uh, Wickramasinghe, they were working on, on studying the enzyme, just, just the enzymes in the human body. And here's what they found, that they found the odds of the random formation of a single enzyme to be 10 to the 20th power. There are 2,000 enzymes in our body, and the chance of all 2,000 enzymes, all of them occurring in the proper random order, would be 10 to the 40,000th power, okay? Now, that's way beyond. I was going to create a screen up here, but I don't have enough room for that. If you need that explained, you need to see Kelly Mosier, Marissa Core, our numerical statisticians. They can, okay, so, so 10 to the 40,000th power for random probability just for the enzymes of the human body to have randomly occurred. So I think there's an issue of numerical probability. Donald Page at Princeton's Institute for Advanced Science calculated the odds against the universe randomly taking a suitable form for life at 1 billion to the 124th power, okay? Now that means nothing to me because I have no idea I just know that's absolutely unbelievable. It's literally impossible for that to have occurred just with chance, you know, and randomness working on it. One physicist said it would be like taking aim at a one-inch target 20 billion light years away and hitting the target, okay? So I'm just saying to you questions that I have and others have about naturalistic evolution. You know, one, you know, one uh, would be, 
would be the numerical probability. It is an astronomical numerical probability. I mean, look, I mean, if you play cards, I mean, we can't even get the cards we want, right? Out of the 52 card deck. You know, much less these, these kind of numbers. So it is literally impossible, you know, for this just to have occurred randomly without some guiding hand on it. So that's just a, you know, just a, just a few thoughts, um, insufficient answers concerning Big Bang and numerical probability. But let's look at some other things. Let's look at clues to the creation. Let's look at clues. I don't think God is just standing there silent when it comes to this particular topic. I think there are clues that are embedded. If we'll look, we'll see, we will see the hand of God. Number one is design. Number one is design. Right? To me, there's too much complexity, too much order to just believe that it just occurred all at its own and there's too much chance involved. It's way too developed from the beginning to today for, for there to have been possibilities. So let me just give you a hypothetical here. So if you're looking... If you're looking at pictures of, let's say, the Mars Observatory, and you're looking at just the Mars, you know, uh, landscape there, and you're just looking over certain pictures, all right? And on that landscape, you know, there's just, there's nothing. It's just orange. But if on that landscape you saw boulders of different sizes lined up in a line, ten of them, okay, and it took a right angle, and there was 10 more. And it took a right angle and there was 10 more. And it took a right angle and it was 10 more. And you just saw a square. Out of all, that, that's it. What would you assume if you saw that? What would you assume if you just saw that simple picture? Would you think randomness and chance? No, you would think Martians. You're like, yeah, I've been believing in Martians. <laughs> you, would you would think that, there was, that that was not random or chance at all, that there's some other answer besides randomness. And I'm just saying to you with the same thinking, when I look at this world, when I look at technology, when I look at the human body, to me, the design is way too complex for it just to be, just to be random or chance. Look at this picture here it's from the Hubble telescope. It's called the hand of God. Unbelievable. 17,000 light years away. Our universe is filled with stars and galaxies and everything that we can see is only 4%. There's 96% that we can't see. But inside this picture, stars are forming and the universe is still expanding and it has a sense of beauty and awe 17,000 light years away. Next picture, the earth, God's hand upon the earth. Water covers 71%. It's 92 million miles away from the sun, you know, but it, create, it, it contains an atmosphere that is unique to, be, to have life 
upon this, you know, upon this particular planet. Water and carbon dioxide, other gases make it, make this inhabitable, the universe, the earth, the human body. Your heart beats about 100,000 times a day. You have 600 muscles in your body. Is there another picture? There you go. You have 600 muscles in your body. Some of them have atrophied over a period of time. I'll say that. But even with God, we have a very unique we have a very unique fingerprint that's unique to every individual in the world. The body has the unusual ability to self-heal. You can cut yourself or when it gets hurt, it tries to heal itself, you know, on its, on its own, which is amazing. Unless you eat ice cream too fast and then you just come to a complete stop, okay? I don't know what quirk that is, but let me tell you, when I just see design, when I see design, it's just, it, it points, it's a clue to me to point to the creator. When I, see, when I see design, and there are scientists that study these things, and, and they don't come from any kind of faith background at all, but they see these things, and the coin is termed intelligent design. These are people that have looked at, at, at the science there and go, you know what? It's way too developed. It's way too complex to just, you know, to just be an act of, of randomness and chance. And now there is a group of scientists, and they're not necessarily Christians. They haven't come like to Christ. They just looked at, at the data that's there and going, it's way too developed. It's, 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 it's way too complex for this just to have occurred on its own. One of them, and I'll let you read his paragraph, his name is Gunter, Gunter Beckley. He said, I'm a German scientist, paleontologist, specialized in fossil history and, and systematic uh, of, of insects, um, especially dragonflies. That sounds like a great job to get up and go to every morning, right? All right. Uh, after having been a staunch atheist and materialist for most of my life till 2005, and after several years of philosophical research, I finally embraced philosophical theism and the Christian idealism as a worldview. I did not become a theist in spite of being a scientist, but because of it, based on careful and critical evaluation, empirical data, rational arguments, uh, following the evidence wherever it leads. So this man... He's, he's just studying, he's just a scientist, and he's not a Christian today, but he looked at the science available and went, man, it's just too developed. It's just too complex for this to have come, for this to have come out of randomness. So, so if you want to research that, Cambridge University, Biola University, when it comes to intelligent design or some great, uh, some, some great areas that you can study. So one, one clue of creation to me is, is design. The other is the fine-tuning of the earth. The earth is just different. It's just different. It was preset different. Let's, I just want to read you like a, a, a paragraph on, on that. It's the fine-tuning of the earth. So fine-tuning refers to the surprising precision of nature's physical constants and the early conditions of the universe. To explain how a habitable planet like earth could even exist, these fundamental constants have to be set to just the right values, like tuning a dial 
to find just the right radio station. If the universe had physical constants with even a slightly different values, the universe simply could not support life. It would expand too quickly, never form carbon atoms, never make complex molecules like DNA. So even in the in the in the creation of the universe in the creation of the earth there was certain you know certain things that god i believe god embedded here and it's called it's called fine it's called fine tuning something that made the earth different potentially habitable when you look at everything else so there were things here like gravity and water and oxygen and the precise placement of the of of the earth away from the sun those aren't and those aren't just random things. The earth is 92 million miles away from the sun. Man, if it was a little closer, like Mars, there's no chance for life if it's a little further away. Like Venus, there's no, or um, excuse me, I got them backwards. Like Mercury, we, you know, it's just too hot. If it's like Mars, it's just too cold. But yet, it's right at this, it's right at this perfect, this perfect, you know, placement from the sun. And, and, and also, man, the rate that it spins around the sun, if the, if, if, if the orbit around the sun is too fast, you know, we spin out into the, into the universe. If it's too slow, we're drawn into the sun. But yet, but yet we're on this perfect, we're on this perfect orbit that keeps us, you know, keeps us going around the sun where it makes this planet habitable. And it's even unbelievable because it's so perfect that even just a just a shift in the earth's axis just a little bit can change the seasons for us. Everybody in the world has four seasons except us. We only have three. I'm selling all of Becky's pumpkins. We don't need it here in Florida. All right. But yet, but yet, man, it's just on such a it's on such a perfect pivot, so there's fine-tuning. There's something about this planet. There's something about, about, about how God made this where it is, it is habitable to every, you know, to every other planet. But we can see this in Psalms chapter 8. We can see God's hand. The psalmist says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than, you, than the angels and you have crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You've put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild and birds in the sky and fish in the sea and all that swim in the paths of the sea. And then he closes again. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Let me tell you, I don't think we're part of randomness. I don't think we're part of chance. I believe God stamped his hand upon creation so that we could know him. And I just say with the psalmist this morning, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There's design clues to the creation. There's design. There is the fine-tuning that the earth is just different. There's just too many miraculous things that occurred for, for the earth to take the earth to take place. How about, I mean, I, I'm going to ask a, a different way. Can kindness come from natural evolution? 
Where does the emotion kindness come from? You know, naturalistic evolution, we're, we're just animals. You know, we're, we're just think like animals. They have no real good answer of why we, you know, are, are humans like we are. I mean, we're just supposed to be maybe walking upright but we're just walking around like the cavemen. Man, we're just looking to, to eat something and reproduce. And that's just, what, that's just what animals do. Okay? That's just... So, so how are we different? We should be like the animals if naturalistic evolutionary thought continues out. We should just be like the animals. So where did things like reason, the ability to think and make judgment... Where did that come from in the naturalistic evolutionary thought? What about morality, justice, beauty, love? Where, where did that come from? How, how, how does the naturalistic evolutionary people, how do you describe love if we're just a, 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 another you know, kind of Darwinian animal there? Where, where does forgiveness come from? How do, you, how do you explain that out of, this, out of this order, this kind of survival of the fittest, right? It's the survival of the fittest, the strong, always, you know, overcome the weak. Well, then where does kindness come from? Where does it come into the heart of people to give to those that are poor or to help a child or a senior adult? Where does that come from in a, in, in a naturalistic evolutionary framework? Where do those... Where do those particular things come from? Okay, it's supposed to be the opposite. The strong are over the weak. That's, that's what happens in the animal kingdom, right? And it should be happening here, except the human being is different. The human being made in God's image. There's, there's something about the human you know, the, the human being made in God's image that's, that, is, that is different than the, the, the concept of the human in naturalistic evolution. If you like Tim Keller, here's what he says. If you believe that the universe just happened and that there is no God, but somehow human rights still exist, you can't prove that. In fact, it takes a lot of faith to imagine humanistic values can arise from an impersonal universe. Right? Where, where did it come from? Where did goodness and, and mercy and kindness and, and looking out for those who were less fortunate? Because that's the, that's the, right? Darwin said it's something different, but God said, no, I've made you, I've made you in my image. Clues to creation, design, fine-tuning, kindness when it comes from naturalistic evolution. This one I'll just touch on for just, just a moment. How about the number of God-seekers in the world? Do you realize how many people this morning, you know, believe in God? Billions and billions. Now, they may not believe like we do, but I'm just saying, in the heart, where, where does that come from? If naturalistic evolution is true, where, where does it come from, this desire of humanity to believe in a God and, and want to worship God and want to be connected. Granted, there are all kinds of different religious backgrounds this morning, but today I'm telling you on the earth there are five or six billion people that believe in some kind of God and they want to worship. There's something that's created in the heart of a human being that looks to feel, to feel a void 
Solomon in Ecclesiastes says he has also set eternity in the human heart. There's something that God has put there that is incomplete on its own. Yet no one can fathom what God what God has done from the beginning. So that desire to worship, that connection with God, where does that come from in a naturalistic evolutionary thinking? Why is that there? With well... I mean, billions and billions of people, where does that come from? I think it's a clue to our creation. My last clue this morning. So it was design. It's fine-tuning. Where does kindness come from? The number of God-seekers in the world. And then personal experience. Personal experience. What do I do with a life of personal experiences and a relationship with God. What do I do when I know that God has saved me and I've seen God do all kinds of things in my life and other people's lives and I've sensed his presence, but yet some kind of atheistic scientist tells me that what I've experienced is actually not true because it's not quantifiable mathematically or scientifically, so, you know, it's not particularly true, Okay. So I just say to those who speak that from time to time, if you've lived your life with the belief that there is no God and you've never asked or experienced God's presence, then who are you to tell me what I've experienced is not true? Okay? Who are you to tell me that? All right? And God has a question for those who would doubt the experiences of others. He has a question for them. Where were you? When I laid the earth's foundations. Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you would know. Who stretched a measuring hand, uh, a measuring line across it? On what were its footing sets? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Where were you? Okay? So you point... A question about that, but you know, what, what's the answer? Let me just tell you something. Look, I just know what God has done in my life. It's part of my belief in, you know, in, in what we're talking about this morning. I know what God has done in my life. I know I have experienced, you know, His power and, and, and presence. And I'm no fool. I know, you know, I know what God has done in my life. And I feel like Job this morning who said, I know my Redeemer lives and will stand with me at the end of the day. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and believe that He will keep me until the end of that particular day. And I just want to say, what God has done in my life may not be quantifiable mathematically or scientifically, but that doesn't matter because I know that He saved me and He changed my life. I'm a different person and my friend, that is quantifiable. That is quantifiable. And if you don't believe it, ask my mother. She'll tell you about the change. She'll tell you about the change. Okay? Design. All right. Fine-tuning. Answering where goodness and mercy and morality come from. The number of God-seekers, you know, in the world. Our own personal experiences. To me, those are clues 
back to the creation. Lee Strobel, some of you may be familiar with his with him, writes a lot of books. But he didn't start out writing Christian books. He started out as a skeptic and an atheist, like a vowed, a vowed skeptic and a doubter, an atheist. And years later, he comes back, man, he finds Christ, and he and he and he just makes a statement here that I think is really important this morning. So he says, to continue in atheism, I would need to believe that nothing produces everything. Non-life produces life. Randomness produces fine-tuning. Chaos produces information. Unconsciousness produces consciousness. Non-reason produces reason. And he says, I simply didn't have that much faith. Because you got a much bigger faith stretched if you come from a naturalistic evolutionary background. Okay? You do. You do. All right. So why am I here? Just let me close. Why, why am I here? Why am I here? Are we a mere product of chance and physics and biology? Is this all there is? You just kind of live and you just kind of live and die, and there's really no, you know meaning or purpose to our existence, I want you to know, I want you to know here, if, that's, if you think those kind of things, that there is a God in heaven, and he is trying his best to communicate with you through all kinds of manners, all kinds of ways. Atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell, they said, what will you say to God when you stand before him? Okay, when he says, why didn't you believe in me? And Russell said, I would say, not enough evidence, God. Not enough evidence. Okay? And I go, man, you, you, you're not even looking in the right places. You know, I don't know, I don't know about you. You know, like, like <clears throat> if you've ever been down to the ocean, you pull your chair out, you've got the waves on your feet, and you just kind of look over the horizon. Anybody do that? I mean, it just, I don't know about you, but man, there's just this awesomeness just to be just to be in that moment just the 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 to realize God's creative you know God's creative hand or maybe maybe you know maybe you're a mountain person and you go up in the mountains and you see you see trees and you see mountains and there's just something that that makes you you know just in your heart the the appreciation of 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 the beauty of what you are you know of of you know, of what you're seeing or, you know, you, you go to the lake if you're a fisherman and it's quiet and you just look on the water and, man, there's just something that just says to you and shouts to you, man, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is bigger than we've ever, you know, uh, uh, bigger than we ever, uh, bigger than we ever thought. Or you, you look, you know, at a sunrise in the morning and if you're 30 and under, I know you don't know what this is, but I'm going to explain it to you. When the sun comes up in the morning, it's got all kinds of beautiful colors. And it's the beginning of a new day and the beauty of that and the reminder of the new day. It's beautiful. And there's going to be a day when you're about 30 that you'll get to see one of those and you'll really be impressed with it. Okay? But can I just say, God uses the canvas of the heavens and earth to shout his existence to you. He uses the beauty 
of his creation to extend a hand to you and let you know that you are a special creation to him. Brant, worship team, you guys can come. He uses the wonder of his handiwork to remind you and I that there is, we are not a product of randomness out there, but that we are a unique design that God has created for you. You're not just slung out in the billions, but God knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows when you cry. The very hairs of your head are numbered and you're part of his wonderful handiwork. Can I just say, it's just our belief. If there's a blueprint out there, we believe there's an architect. If there's a design, there's a designer. If there's a law, then there's got to be a lawgiver. And we think these things shout and point back to God's hand on this creative order. But he just didn't spin it out here. You know, the earth and humanity. There's something else. There's another subplot to this that I think gets lost sometimes when we talk about creation, evolution. All There's another subplot. Actually, it's not the subplot. It's the main plot. But when we talk about this, it gets, it gets lost. And that is, not only does God have a plan for you, but... He has a plan for you for redemption and salvation through the person of Jesus. He's been thinking about this for a long period of time, how he could have fellowship with you. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Unbelievable. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the universe. So he's reminding you today that as the creative order of the universe was going, there was a plan for your redemption and your salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. That this is not just some, you know, creation that we go, wow, man, that's beautiful. But in fact, God has made a plan for you and I to have fellowship with him. Look at Ephesians 1. He said, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Look at that. We were chosen in him before the creation of the world. Before the first planet was there. The thought of you and the plan for you for salvation was already there. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. So before there was ever the first planet, man, he already had his designs set on you and a path of redemption for you. That makes me just want to praise God this morning. That makes me want to praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, if you're a doubter, skeptic, watching here, hey, I'm, I'm glad you gave me a few minutes to, to listen. Okay? I'm glad. And I'll be glad to chat with you. I'm not a scientist. I'm a, I'm a pastor. My degrees are in pastoral ministry and, and theology. But I feel like these things are important to discuss with our congregation. And if you're a doubter and skeptic, I 
just, I'm, I'm glad that you listened. I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. I want to say, if you're a doubter and a skeptic, at the end of the service, I just want you to do one thing. I'd like to you to pray a prayer. And the prayer would be, God, if you're out there, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Okay? What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? If there's some empty universe out there, you won't ever have to worry about it. You can just live your own life. But somebody might take you up on that prayer and might reveal his hand to you and you may be surprised at what happens in your life and how God reveals himself to you. Sometimes, not every time, sometimes people hide themselves with the title of atheist because they don't want to answer, you know, some of the the difficult questions about God and life and behavior. So they choose atheism as a very quick default even though they are not committed to its tenets. It's just very easy. It's a very easy answer there. So I'm just saying to you, if that's you, that's you, somebody drug you here this morning, you're listening, somebody sent you the link here, then just pray the prayer. God, if you're out there, let me know. Let me know, okay? Just simple prayer. I think you might be surprised that you'll get an answer and what that answer, what that answer would be, what that answer would be. Or maybe some of you here today and you're away from God, you were wrestling. You maybe you're not wrestling with issues of where did I come from, man. You're just, you're just here today, and you're away from the Lord. And this service, God is reminding you, man, that there's the the cross of Jesus Christ, and whatever you go through, man, He's there for you to forgive you, and you can start a new chapter in your life. Okay. There may be others that your life is chaotic. What's going on in my life? I just want you to take from this message today that God is a God of precision. Genesis chapter 1, okay? Genesis 1. Man, he's got an order. He's got a plan. He's got got things in control. I just want to remind you, there might be all kinds of chaos going on in your life, but God has an order. He has a way of taking chaotic things and bringing order when you turn it over to him. So I just want to remind you that that the future of your life is not about chaos in every area, but God can bring divine order to that as well. There's a structure and there's a plan for your life. I'm just saying, I don't want you to feel like things are all out of whack. God can bring them all back together for you. All right. I want you to stand this morning. I want you to stand. I'm going to come back and pray with you in just a moment. We want to sing this chorus this morning. We just want to worship this this worship song. I just feel like it's appropriate for us today. And then I'll come back and pray with you in just a moment. Brent. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.